Hello and welcome to The Lancet Podcast. Richard Lane here on Friday, October the 8th. This week, can we reliably measure the effect of mass media campaigns on health behaviour? Before that, some content highlights from the issue dated October the 9th to the 15th. In research, we published the current OASIS-7 trial. This assesses clopidogrel and aspirin usage and dosage for people with acute coronary syndromes. Also research on the effect of sucrose on procedural pain during childbirth. And also of novel community approaches to tuberculosis detection in Zimbabwe. The long leader this week looks at medical progress in Germany and a review discusses the need for HIV scale-up globally. Also, The Lancet is seeking paper submission from Japan. See the comment section for more details. But this week we're focusing on another review, and this concerns the effect of mass media campaigns and their ability or not to influence health behaviour. Earlier, I spoke to one of the authors of this review, Professor Melanie Wakefield. She is Director for the Centre for Behavioural Research in Cancer at the Cancer Council Victoria in Melbourne, Australia. It's certainly not straightforward to measure the effects of mass media campaigns on health behaviour. First of all, mass media campaigns have often occurred at the same time as changes in in public health policy about that same health issue. So it's difficult to untangle the effects that are actually due to media campaigns. And secondly, these days, media campaigns tend to be state or nationwide. So it's hard to find a population that's unexposed to a media campaign to assess relative differences in health behaviour to act as a control group. Some advanced statistical techniques are needed to work out the effects attributable to media campaigns versus other policies. Decades ago, media campaigns tended to be small-scale in nature and the evaluations really only focused on the direct effects of the campaigns. In other words, comparing people who had and hadn't seen the media campaign and then looking at how their health behaviour had changed. But we know now that media campaigns also have indirect effects on behaviour. In other words, they can prompt people to discuss health issues with others who haven't seen the campaign and that discussion itself can lead to change. So even if people have not seen the media campaign themselves, they can be influenced by others who have. So early media campaign evaluations tended not to evaluate those kind of indirect outcomes, so they probably underestimated effects. But the more recent studies that have been done have used research methods that include the possibility of direct effects and indirect effects of mass media campaigns on health behaviours. And so the science is really improving all the time. In Australia, a study of my own that was included in the review showed that over the period of more than a decade, tax increases on tobacco and greater exposure to televised mass media campaigns were the two most important contributors to accelerating the rate of decline in smoking prevalence. And over the period that we looked at, the country ran hard-hitting television campaigns to communicate the serious health harms of smoking. Some of the ads were fairly hard-hitting and graphic in nature and some of them featured more personal stories from people who had been afflicted by a tobacco-caused disease and they were extremely sad stories indeed. The campaign was supported by services to help people quit and a lot of other policy changes so it's quite a good example of a comprehensive approach to combat this kind of hard-to-change behaviour. And also media campaigns for reducing sudden infant death syndrome. These latter campaigns are ones that advocate that babies need to be put to sleep on their backs rather than on their front or on their side. And these measures have led to a more than 50% reduction in mortality 
from SIDS. So that's, again, quite a substantial uh, benefit. I think media campaigns are certainly not a magic bullet for changing health behaviour. And when you think about it, for many behaviours, there are considerable barriers to making change. To take, for example, dietary change, a person might be positively influenced by a media campaign message and have good intentions to eat a healthier diet, but there are other influences in our society that compete against those intentions. So, for example, product advertising for unhealthy food and alcohol is often high frequency and and virtually continuous in many countries. And and messages designed to promote more healthy food choices or to drink at safer levels tend to get crowded out or drowned out. Good intentions to restrain one's eating or drinking can be undermined by these kind of pervasive competing marketing messages and reminders to indulge. So in this kind of context, greater and longer term investment in mass media campaigns is really needed. For example, campaigns that promote pap smears need also to ensure ready access to actually getting a pap test. In countries like Australia, where there's an organised screening program with reminder letters and a universal healthcare system where PAP tests can be free to low-income women, mass media campaigns have been very successful in increasing the PAP test rate. But in countries which don't have universal healthcare coverage and that have patchy use of reminder systems or no reminder systems at all, media campaigns on this health issue would tend to do less well. Media campaigns do need to be really seen as a critical part of a comprehensive approach to promoting healthy behaviour. As I said before, they're not a magic bullet. It's hard for them to operate on their own. Media campaigns speak directly to mass audiences in a way that no other intervention can do and they can help to change social norms and, and also support policy changes. Given our rather cluttered media environment, campaigns need adequate funding from governments, not just for short-term one-off campaigns, but for ongoing repeated cycles of campaigns, especially for behaviours that are hard to change or are the subject of competing product marketing. What we've also learned is that campaigns need to be designed based on sound research about the target audience and they need to be tested during development. It's possible for campaigns to backfire and even produce boomerang effects. It's critical to ensure the messages are appropriate and that there are no unintended undesirable effects. Campaigns need to be guided by research and evaluation. So it's a combination of science and art, I guess. Well, many thanks to Melanie Wakefield. And do look out for a linked short editorial on this topic. And that's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. See you next time.